0: Hey, everybody. It's Emily Schram. This is Meathead Hippie podcast episode 56. Double episode 55 was a fun Q&A that I got to do. Go check out all the show notes, all of my things, events, etc. cetera, emilyschramm.com slash blog. But just a quick recap as fast as I can go. Um, first off, I'm going to New York This actually today, and I'm, I cannot wait to celebrate the life of one of my dear friends who passed away from cancer, DM Brown. I'm going to be with all my MTV crew. We're going to have an event pre-show and after shows. If you're you're in New York City, go check my post for some Saturday events. I would love to meet you guys there. And then I'm going to Alaska with my mom. I cannot wait. We're going to be in Prince William Sound. And I have no idea if I'm going to have Wi-Fi or any connection with the world. And I feel like that might be a good thing (laughs) considering what my schedule has been like, but I'm just, so thrilled! Uh, my my favorite thing to talk about, I guess, really right now, the thing that's like so exciting, Impact Nomads. I had that Kickstarter, and I got to send out the survey so people could pick their color, and you can still pre-order, but to really like fund a Kickstarter and then give them the product, guy, just so stoked! So thank you for anyone who um, pledged. I cannot wait to get you the Nomad. It's, uh, it's just the coolest. It's the coolest. And then I have, uh, the Victress tea blend, which just launched and is delicious. If you love hibiscus, if you, if you love red tea, it's like very bright, think of like passion tea at Starbucks, but better because of all the herbs in it. Victress is one of my favorite teas and that's been a big focus for me. And then lastly, we have the 21 day program, which you guys know I've ran for years, 21 day MFit program, the fit challenge, formerly the superhero challenge. And it's teaching you about carbs, proteins, fats, macros, high fat diets, digestion, adrenals, snack bite pieces. It's awesome. 21 days. I have version one, Version two and travel edition, and you can pick your own start date. So, wherever you are, you say, This is the date I want to start on, grab some friends and crush, and you still get a fun little prize at the end of the 21 days. So, I'm really grateful for that because, as much as I love it, it's just, I feel like it's just nice to have your own little reset whenever it's time. And sometimes my dates when it's time for me is not the dates of others. So now you get a picket and I can't wait um, to have you jump in on one of those. If you haven't yet, seriously, it's 21 days, $21. Everything I talk about in Meathead Hippie podcast is touched on in those programs. But then you also get a meal plan and then you also get a badass community of Facebookers that are all doing the same thing you are and just along for the ride. So, I've been just so in love with the support system and the the tribe that has been created on people just like you listening in and wanting to be better. It's just the best. Today's podcast is with Irene Fair. And I can't. She'll introduce herself, but I. It's a. It's left wing, guys. I'm not kidding you. I, I'm just getting crazy. For, last week was CBD oil. <laughs> this week is sex. <laughs> um, We kept it classy. It's a lot about passion and intimacy issues and how to like, you know, a lot of the questions that I got in when I asked to send questions for Irene. It was, you know, what kind of questions do you guys have? And it was a lot on. I don't have sex anymore. Or my relationship is kind of like, it's just not there. And we really dive into like when those, the shifts happen with relationships and it's, it might, the answer will really surprise you. And then also just trust, trust in others, trust in self and just the work that needs to be done to feel pleasure and how important that is it's such a good podcast. I can't wait. I know it's left field and I'm sorry if I offend anybody about talking about sex, but oh my God, it's so important. And I hope you love it. If you love it, share it, subscribe, rate, and here we go. Meathead Hippie. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate Meathead Hippie. Welcome to the show. Right, everybody, welcome back to Meathead Hippie Podcast. I am Emily Schramm, and this is a double episode week. I got to answer some of your questions. If you guys ask questions, I will always do a mini sode every week to make sure that you get those questions answered. So keep them coming, whether they're DMs or in comments. But I'm so excited because I have Irene Fair here, and we met at some random awesome women event. And then yep. we ran into each other again the next day and it was just, it was meant to be. So welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Emily. Yeah. So you just moved to Denver. Yes. Uh, you're networking, you're doing your thing, but you have been in this industry. I guess the best thing to say is um, who are you and what do you
1: do? I am a sex and intimacy coach with a specialty where the focus around female libido, female pleasure, orgasm, and the dynamics that get created in relationships around this topic. And how
0: how long have you been in this industry or like this, not even industry, is it industry? I don't even know. Would you call it that?
1: Sure. Sex coaching, sex therapy
0: is an industry for sure. The amount of coaches I, or the questions I got when I asked, I mean, I just, it's an issue, this kind of intimacy issue with self and therefore with partners, it's a problem. So I know that it's def- there's definitely a need for you. And so I think that's awesome. And
1: how do you, when did you get into this? So I started my business five, almost five and a half years ago. Yes. And I've been doing this a total of seven years. I had that transition period where I was still in my corporate job doing a career transition, but also doing the work for myself, on myself, and creating a lot of the work that I do with clients now.
0: And it's the perfect way you got into your career because you yourself, I mean, you married really young, right? And so it was kind of this own self-discovery and process that led you to what you're doing, which is always the best way that people, I think, find their passion, right? It's like a lot of bumps in the road to get it to where you're now empowering other women. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about that kind of story of how you got to this being your passion project or not even
1: passion, your your life my life's work yeah very much so it started with me being married uh now 14 years ago i i got married when i was 27 so young but not not too young and we were we had a classic relationship that started off great we were that couple that everyone was uh acknowledging as oh my god you guys are so amazing together you're so beautiful you're so smart And um, it started out passionately and it was fun and sex was fun. Um, We were both relatively inexperienced, but um, it was fun. We couldn't keep our hands off each other. But we also didn't know how to talk about sex. And so we just did what felt good in the beginning of the relationship. But as the relationship developed and deepened, we had no ways to communicate. And something started to happen to my body that I had no context of mostly because I wasn't talking about sex with friends. Uh, I I didn't grow up talking about sex with my parents. Mm -hmm. I went to doctors and they weren't very useful. So what was happening to my body is that it started to change my sexual desire, which was so huge and spontaneous in the beginning. Again, that feeling of couldn't keep our hands off each other. It started to shift and I started to lose my lubrication. And I started, I went to the doctor, to the gynecologist, and they said, they kind of literally shrugged their shoulders and said, well, that's normal. Just use lube. And so, okay, I thought it was normal. I used lube, but then my body tightened up. And I started to feel like um, sex wasn't as enjoyable anymore, penetration. And I didn't want it as much. And then it started to get painful. I started to get that sensation of bumping up against the cervix. It was very painful. Went back to the doctors. They checked everything out. Everything was normal. And again, they shrugged their shoulders and said, well, it's normal to have pain during intercourse for women. And, you know, not all women are supposed to enjoy sex. And these were like n- no. normal responses. Exactly. Ugh. But I was, I mean, for me, it was devastating. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I loved my husband. I wanted to be with him, but my body wasn't behaving. Yeah. And I actually listened to the doctors because I didn't have any um, anything else, any kind of, um, any other support system, support or system, talking group, or... talking group context, yeah. nothing. And eventually, or rather pretty quickly, I lost all, all desire, sexual desire. I didn't want to have sex. I, I, you know, I, I used to say this, and and I now see clients who say this, the phrase of, I love my husband, but I don't want to have sex with him. Mm. And it, like I said, it was devastating. It made me doubt myself, what's wrong with my body, what's wrong with me as a woman. I also couldn't orgasm, and I felt like a failure of a woman around that. Again, no context, no conversations with anyone else around what that meant, and it was a very difficult experience and we had no tools to talk about it. We weren't mature yeah. enough to. Is that one of the biggest issues you see is
0: that couples don't actually talk about it with each other?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's not the issues itself that are not sol- uh, not solvable. It's the fact that couples are not talking about it, which means they both feel alienated, rejected, alone, and start to disconnect. Mm-hmm. So none of these problems, none of the problems that I mentioned from my life, none of the problems that my clients come with, come to me with are unsolvable. If you are connected to each other, if you can sit there and listen to your partner and meet them and be compassionate to their experience and be in this kind of problem-solving mode. Okay, I get it. This is really difficult. Let's find a solution. Got it. And we didn't have those conversations. We couldn't find solutions because we really weren't even talking about this. And I think
0: the stigma, I'm curious, because you probably see men and women. And so the stigma of like women need to connect, but I think it's just has, it's so mutual for men as well. They have to be heard and they're probably more so getting themselves in this like dark, ego, like, ah, I'm a failure because they're not communicating. Um, I'm curious about if you see.
1: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Men equally need reinforcement and appreciation and being seen and, um, the first the kind of the default way that we deal with sexual issues is by withdrawing by shutting down because we don't know what to do right we don't know how to act in these situations and for men that's that is taken as rejection yeah and that creates a vicious cycle of believing that they're not needed and appreciated and that can create more withdrawal more hurt and just it's a, it's a vicious cycle And do you think, I mean, is our culture more,
0: I guess I'm just more fascinated by this because I was
1: mentioning a little
0: bit earlier and we'll kind of get into the shame component of like, this is something I don't talk about. I Mm -hmm. mean, it really is just something that it's like, obviously it happens for people and, but it's hush hush. And it's been like that since forever. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to feel like this could be a safe place for people to ask those questions. I, I love the questions that came up from it yeah. and I, they're perfect. Uh, but really, is that a culture thing? Like why is it just, is, it's all cultures. I think there's a lot of cultures. Are there any cultures that are doing it right? I guess is
1: maybe the question. <laughs> I don't know. There are, but I think there's two of them in the world. Um, yeah, it's been very much a cultural thing around um, sex being something that you do privately in the bedroom that's none of anyone's business, but that has gone to the extreme of it's not even your partner's business of what's going on inside of you, mm. and most people have sex from this place of having walls around them, and that of course comes from shame, shame about about our bodies, shame about our sexuality or about our desires, about having these weird, uncomfortable sexual feelings that sometimes show up unpredictably and randomly and, you know, with no rhyme or reason. And they don't fit into a lot of these frameworks that religions and cultures have of being proper and put together and civil and, you know, perfect on that exterior. Ladylike. Ladylike. Exactly. And so that's where a lot of shame gets created is like, I'm, there must be something wrong with me if I'm thinking these thoughts when I'm not supposed to. Yeah. Um, or that my body is doing this stuff that I can't control, that I'm getting aroused by the, like the randomest things. And I can't control that. And I love when we talk about, because we originally connected,
0: I was like, oh my God, because I really can't wait to have you included in the body awareness project. Because when you are in such stress and when you have some hormone things happening, and when you just probably have all these walls, these emotional walls, I mean, how connected is that to your sex drive now? I just can't even. It's just all so fluidly connected, and so I would love to talk about, you know, the thing that you really specialize in. Is mm-hmm. if somebody's like, I, okay, where do I go from here? Mm-hmm. Is it self work? Mm-hmm. Is it or is it work with partner? Is it a combination? Um, I guess that's a big question. But if someone, if you were talking to you mm-hmm. when you were kind of having this self realization of like, this is, what else do I do? Do I go to doctors? Do I just suck it up? Like, what is this? Um, What's the first place for someone to start?
1: So the first place I would say is to check in with your mindset. Is your mindset that you are broken or there's something wrong with you for not being a certain way sexually? Mm. And this is very true for women because the way sex is presented in our culture and pretty much all cultures, has been thought about by men, researched by men, depicted by men, and designed for men. Yeah. From, anything from psychology, which started with Freud, who basically said that women are inferior sexual beings than, than men because they lack a penis. Mm. So you have a field of psychology basically stemming from that. Yeah. Right. And therapies and all, um, all of our thinking about sex. Movies portray very much the way men get turned on, the way men enjoy sex, what turns them on. Same thing with media and billboards and advertisements and all these things, product placements are all to help arouse men. And so specifically for women, I get a lot of women who come to me with this phrase, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my body? I think I'm broken. Mm. It's because that comes from comparing ourselves to how we should be as we are, as women represented by men in this whole culture. And so the first thing is to check in with your mindset. Are you coming from that? Or are you coming from the alternative, which is, wow, I think I'm different from what everyone is presenting and I want to find out who I am. I want to find out what works for me. I want to find out what arouses me and turns me on and works for me and and like what... What are those magic things that work for my body? And I think what I
0: love is that, that is saying I deserve to feel that. Mm-hmm. Does that take a long time for some people to, to break through that wall?
1: Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Is, that is one of the most difficult ones. And interestingly enough, I had a client this morning um, who's been doing a lot of work in this area. And I had her practice saying these words. And she was in tears. And it is so hard to say that I deserve pleasure that works for my body. I deserve to have sex for my pleasure. I deserve to enjoy these experiences. I deserve to ask for what I want. Because actually none of this is about sex. It's about the deeper issues of deservingness and spirituality and our own Sovereignty, our own authority over ourselves, which is also cultural because we have been all raised with this notion that other people know what's best for us. Yes. That they have authority over our bodies, over our minds, our hearts, everything, especially men. Yeah. And so it's a big piece um, that has to be reclaimed that no, I am the authority over my body. I know what's right for it. I am the last, the only and last word when it comes to decisions that are right for me.
0: And I love it. And that's why I, I just so desperate, like I had, to, I was like, I just, I want to talk about this because it's the like the epitome of female empowerment, right? Yeah. Especially when you are surrounding yourself with everything that is saying like be sexier, be skinnier, be stronger. Mm-hmm. How can you be more appealing? I mean, it really is, it's ingrained in our culture yeah. to the point of I love it. I just think to take that back and say like, this is what I want and this is what I deserve can be so incredible. And I'm curious, it's just, for me, it's just so interesting because I, it did take me so long to get to that point. So I I feel like some people are light years ahead of me when it comes to this. They're like, yeah, duh, you know, (laughs) duh. But I think so many of us is like, we don't even, we're so afraid to open that box. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess that's the, and I did want to talk a little bit more about shame and kind of how you. How you approach it. Because when people come to you, it's kind of, it might be a different thing than shame. It's more of like, let's just, let's not even call it shame. Let's just Mm -hmm. explore who you are. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on somebody that really has those kind of like, I see sex as something bad?
1: Mm -hmm. A lot of that goes back to actually the conversation we were just having about this authority piece. And so, When we have these ideas that sex is bad, it's because someone planted those ideas in us. As babies, we are actually sexual. We become sexual in the womb. There's uh, boys will have erections in the womb, and it's something that happens naturally. And arousal happens naturally. Arousal happens when something pleasurable is happening to us, whether or not that that you That baby even knows what sex is, and so those ideas around sex being bad have been planted by us, and so a lot of the work around that is to reclaim that authority and like I get to decide whether sex is bad, I get to decide what what is right and what is wrong for me and so i I look at shame from that perspective yeah. and and instead of going into the shame actually. help people rewire themselves to this idea that they get to decide and then that they get to enjoy the pleasure. Baby step by baby step, right? Rewiring not only our brains, but our bodies to receive pleasure. And pleasure is the antidote to shame. We are wired for pleasure. It's not only because pleasure is good, but because our nervous system needs it. Yeah. We need, we have the sympathetic nervous system that's activated. We equally need the parasympathetic nervous system being deactivated or being in pleasure, in relaxation mode. We need this. And a lot of this is, again, rewiring ourselves to be able to enjoy it and to connect to it. I love that pleasure is the antidote to shame. That is so good.
0: Uh, Do you know much about, and I don't know a ton of this, but about the root chakra being connected Mm -hmm. to, uh, can you explain this a little bit? Because I know very briefly, but it was something that happened with, um, I have this really great energy worker named Mm Shelly who is in Denver. I never know what she does to me, but I always walk out feeling like a new human. (laughs) And she was saying something about root chakras and when that's off, how that connects with your sexuality and how it also connects with your finances. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know so much more about this. (laughs) <laughs> oh my
1: god! Do you have five hours
0: <laughs> for this? We got forty minutes.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the sh- the root chakra and sex are very connected. So the root chakra, just from that word, is the root of our body. Right? It's where we're grounded into the earth, and sex is that at a very basic level. It's how we are how we become born of this earth. Mm. Right. And that's how we get connected. That's, uh, that's, um, even though the umbilical cord, well, the umbilical cord is there, right? Like that's how we are. Um, we're connected to the earth. And so sex is not just where sex is definitely for pleasure. In this sense, when we're talking about sex here in the root chakra, it is around procreation and creativity and creating and recreating life on earth, earth's life. And in that sense, it's a necessity. It's a necessity. Mm -hmm. It's how we as a species recreate ourselves. And that fundamentally the whole concept of, of being grounded is fundamentally about safety. And so is the root chakra. And so is sex. Sex is about being, feeling safe to, for women, especially to open up ourselves, to be entered, to create new life. Again, it's this whole connection to, to the root, to, to earth, to create creative cre- create create creation creation oh yeah <laughs> oh god that creation the other <laughs> there's another the sure. word yeah and um, and why sex then becomes such a big challenging topic for most people because it is so fundamental to who we are as residents of this earth and for our need to be rooted and grounded to something so for me, the root chakra is actually incredibly spiritual. Usually you would think the other chakras, especially the, the third, eye, yeah. the third eye and the top chakra are the ones that are spiritual. But for me, the root chakra is spiritual because I have to trust that there is a ground to hold me, that I am grounded to a source that is supporting me and holding me and that I'm safe and in order for us to be fully sexual in terms of our expression, we have to feel safe. We have to feel like we are safe to exist. We're safe to be able to speak up. We're safe to express ourselves, to be, to procreate. And for women, especially to open up literally and physically to open up our bodies. Hmm. Root chakra is so like, I'm, I'm a big,
0: I think for me, I'm like, all over the place. I know you kind of you were new to my life, but you can, I know you already know cuz you've seen my facebook or we've just been in brief connections of like how's it going. Well, that's everywhere. So I think that for me it's so key and that's one thing that Shelley said was like this is like you know, they have the little pendulum that they put on your, they see where your chakras are. So it's kind of like Reiki, if you guys can experience, Mm -hmm. if you've experienced Reiki and it was just dead, (laughs) like didn't even move. Mm -hmm. The pendulum didn't move in a masculine way or a feminine way. Um, What are some ways that you help people get more grounded in self or talk about that just that conversation, Mm -hmm. even though it might not seem like it affects their sexuality, how it's so connected, what are ways to help somebody feel that kind of,
1: I'm home or I'm safe? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And I'm going to start sounding like a broken record now. The answer is pleasure. Mm -hmm. The answer is always pleasure. So that's first. Yes. Wow. So pleasure requires us to be able to receive it. And to be able to receive, we have to relax. Mm -hmm. And in order to relax, we have to feel grounded. So when we start learning how to relax and receive pleasure, we invariably bump up against Mm -hmm. our feelings of feeling unsafe, of not trusting that there's something to hold us. And that has us look at that and open those things up the more we can relax into pleasure or ask for the kind of pleasure that we want and then relax into it the more we can learn to connect to our root chakra and cultivate that trust that rootedness that groundedness
0: i love that Talk, there is um a question about this but i'm going to jump a little bit ahead of somebody that uh i will i'll ask the full question but how she just felt like she couldn't it was in her head like she I I just want to start it. I just feel like I need to initiate it. I've been with my husband. I just, Mm -hmm. it's in my head and I'm sitting here thinking of all the things, but I just freeze. You know, what is that a throat chakra thing or is that just like a, or is that just a, like why do I, and I've experienced this before, what is happening that makes me feel like I can't communicate and Mm -hmm. how do I get past that barrier? Um, Is that something that it's a partner work or is that
1: self work? Great question. It's both. Yeah. And kind of circling back to, to your similar question earlier on, there is so much that we have to do by looking within ourselves and understanding ourselves, building our relationship to pleasure, uh, creating trust for to, you know, trusting ourselves first and foremost, mm. trusting the universe to take care of ourselves, to take care of us. And a lot of these issues are also relational issues relational issues that first showed up in our lives in relationship with other people, and that can only be healed in relationship with other people. Yeah, Relational issues need relational solution, solutions.
0: That is a powerful statement. Yeah, It's like the, what you fear the most is what you need. What
1: you need, exactly. And so in terms of freezing up and not knowing what to ask it has to do with safety has to do with your own safety. Can I trust to ask what I really want? Can I trust not to give myself away? And it's also the trust from the other person. Can I trust my, this person that I'm with to handle my truth, mm. to be able to be there, to not walk away and abandon me? Can I trust them to not laugh at me and, and humiliate me? And that those pieces have to happen again, on your own and in relationship. And that's a lot of the work that I do with couples. Before we even start talking about sex and all the different aspects of sex, we work on this piece. And I call this creating a safe space to be risky. You have to feel safe with each other in order to take risks, such as ask for what you really want or initiate something that's that's something that you don't normally do. Risqué. Risqué, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Um, And be vulnerable. You have to have that safety first.
0: How, uh, let's talk trust just briefly. Mm -hmm. Talk to me how hard that is. (laughs) So easy to lose trust and Mm -hmm. so hard to gain. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that just because we just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just, a, I'm just, once that burnt that bridge is burnt, there is no going back. Like I will yeah. light that shit up and never look at it again. Like I am, a, I'm so bad at it. It's a hummingbird trait, and I hate it. Sometimes I hate about myself, mm-hmm. like building trust back up with people, especially mm-hmm. when you feel like you've just gotten so burned in the past. Mm-hmm. Bradford's amazing because I feel like we were able to get there mm-hmm. in not as much time as I thought it would take in all honesty, but I do feel like that's a huge issue mm-hmm. is a, people just never fully allow themselves to
1: trust mm-hmm. again. Do you see that all the time? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not as crazy. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> and, and again, um, I want to say that, that so much around sex is the issue of that, of trust, which is safety, which is feeling safe within yourself and with your partner. And building trust is incredibly difficult and takes a long time. Mm. And what it requires, which is incredibly vulnerable and hard, is it requires transparency. Mm. We cannot trust something that we cannot see. So think about swimming in clear blue waters versus a murky lake. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, you can have faith that there's nothing at the bottom of the lake because someone told you and assured you, but you cannot see it. And so there is some level of distrust and fear because you can't see. And in most relationships, we are not as transparent as we could be. Yeah. What are some ways to be more transparent? Yeah. I'm
0: trying to think of even just so, I was thinking in my head, like, how am I transparent?
1: Is it just what would that even look like? Yeah. So various, various ways. One is asking for what you want, a hundred percent of what you want. Mm. So here's where the transparency is. So it's not just, you know, asking for exactly what you want, but the thing that happens when we don't ask for what we want is that we hold back, we withhold. What do we withhold? I withhold that, let's say if I'm not asking for what I want, I withhold my doubts that I don't think I can get that, what I want. I withhold, for example, my doubt that you can not give me what I want. I withhold my resentment because I am only asking for, let's say 75%. And I withhold actual energy in that. Mm. And so that's where we start to, that's one of the first things in a relationship that, that it shifts that it shifts It is that we start to withhold. Mm. We also, um, can be more transparent around what we feel and the impact of our partner's behaviors. When someone says something that's hurtful, we will withhold our response to it, while inside we are thinking, ouch, that hurts. Yeah. And we can be more transparent by naming that and not creating a story around that, but just simply naming, ouch, that hurt. Mm. Right now- I like that you said that, not creating a story around yeah. that, where
0: it's not a- you know we're not putting ourselves in a victim state we're just stating
1: like this is what happened and i need you to receive that exactly mm. like ouch that hurt i don't feel seen right now and i want to withdraw from you i want to or i want to punish you right now i want to tell you how wrong you are mm. and that's because i really feel hurt and kind of powerless right now mm. and we don't narrate that level we we either resort to story or we withdraw I like that. I've heard this a lot. Like that's this
0: own story you create mm-hmm. and how good we are at the stories we create to help fill in the holes yeah. that we don't know. Yeah. Cause that's safety. Mm-hmm. It's just better that mm-hmm. way. Instead of just asking, do you feel yeah. like there's a, does that happen? Like with relationships, a lot of the questions I got are especially post they've been married for a while kind mm-hmm. of thing. Right. So, uh, do you see a theme in your own clients? Like when's that, sh- when's that year shift? Do I have to like watch out for this? <laughs> I just, I'm like, what? What time of you know? When does it happen for client or for client for your clients? What is the period that it really happens?
1: So I, what I'll say is is going to be sound pretty surprising. So I will say that specifically in your sex life, things shift on the third time you have sex. What? Yeah. Really. So here's here's what I see. So first time you have sex, there's a lot of just pure chemistry. You're excited for each other. You can't keep your hands off each other. It, it, you, you're under the influence, mm-hmm. right? Of hormones. And so you just do whatever your body's feeling to do. It's it's just, you just like go in. Um, again, under Unin- the influence. Uninhibited. Uninhibited, right? In- influence of love and maybe influence of alcohol. <laughs> alcohol, exactly. And so many feel good chemicals where yeah. you don't pay attention to things that may not feel right or may not feel good, you you don't really care if you're asking for what you want, you mm-hmm. just go for it. The second time that starts to wear out usually, and I don't mean like second time that night, but like the second, <laughs> second encounter. encounter. Yeah, got it. <laughs> and so already you know the person a little bit, probably the stakes are a little higher, right? You like them a little bit more. And so that's the time where we start to be a little bit more inhibited, where we Realize, oh, yeah, I really want to ask him that, but I don't know if I can ask for that. I don't know him. I don't know if he's Mm -hmm. going to say yes. I don't want to hurt his feelings. So I'm not going to say no to something I don't want. So we start to pull back. And by the third date or the third time you have sex, that actually solidifies. And there's usually that shift. Like you don't feel comfortable asking for what you want, you don't feel comfortable saying no. And that starts to become a pattern. Now it could be the opposite where you choose to say to ask for what you want and to 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 have that power to say no. But a lot of the times it's the opposite is that the stakes grow as the relationship deepens. We like the person and so then we start to with pull away, the transparency pull away, the realness. And that introduce that plants the seeds. Mm for those things that show up later in the relationship. I love that answer. I would have thought, you know, it's all
0: good and golden until year. That makes me happy. I, I like that. Cause it's something that you can trace back mm-hmm. to not like, this is where things went wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just an issue of, I withheld some of the things that I wanted mm-hmm. and I can get that back. Yeah. And that's just a whole different outcome than just like trying to relight the fire, rekindle.
1: Exactly. We have so much more power when we think of it in those terms and think about the questions of how can I be more honest? How can I ask for more? Where am I holding back? Where am I asking for not 100% of what I want? Because those things you have 100% power over and you can switch. And when one pers- partner switches, at least half of the time the other partner is willing to meet them. Mm, that's good. So you, you have, again, more power than you think you do. Do you feel, uh, and if
0: this is something that you totally can't, we don't have to get into, but I watched this documentary. I cannot remember what it's called. I'm so mad about it. Um, wh- but I have, uh, sex at dawn. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on monogamy and do you think we're meant for it? Or do you think that? it's person to person basis? Or do you think, I just am so fascinated by it. I think I couldn't imagine myself sharing anybody. That's just (laughs) like, I just, I see it, do your thing. What makes you happy? But I'm just curious from your perspective Mm -hmm. and your education, what your thoughts are on it, being polygamous or being monogamous. Yeah. Multiple partners. Yes.
1: That's not an easy question. We could pass if we need to. I know that was a huge. No, question. no, no. That's it's <laughs> a great question. Um, so I've been in both and I absolutely. Uh, I had wonderful experiences being polyamorous and being and having various relationships it helped me get over a lot of stories I have about myself, stories about what things mean. Mm-hmm. So the beautiful thing about sex for human beings is that it, there's the pleasure aspect of it, there's the procreation aspect of it, but there's also the meaning aspect of it. Sex means something for us. Mm-hmm. And for me, being... Open and open relationships help me get over some stories around what sex means and what it should mean, whether sex and love are the same thing, and can they be different, and where do they come from and I don't want to say I recommend polyamorous relationships, but if people are curious about them and they want to explore under right, the right circumstances, there are amazing learning experiences mm. because they push you outside of your comfort zone to really look at what do you believe in? What what are, what are some of those meanings that you have? And to choose them. Hmm. I won't make a, necessarily a statement of whether one is more natural than the other because you have to look at people's values. And so monogamous relationship does yield to a situation where someone really values going deep with one person, right? mm-hmm. going really deep, understanding each other, and learning how to ride the waves of life. One day you don't like the person, the next day you do, but you've committed to them. You have a sexual attraction to someone else, but you've made a commitment and what that means and how to how to go deeper in that context. Mm-hmm. And a uh, open relationship, polyamorous relationship also speaks to different values of getting to know other people sexually. And for someone, that may be, may be a very important value. Yeah, And it may be exploring yourself with other people. That may be very important value, a higher value than being committed to one person. And that's where the importance and the rightness of each approach is for people is depending on your values and what's important to you. That's a great answer. I'm
0: fascinated. by it. I said I'm polygamist.
1: I said polygamist. You, didn't even, you were so sweet. You let me do it. I love it. <laughs> well, it's um, related, so that's yes. that's more marriage. Marriage. Got it. To to various people. Got it. Cool. But but close. But, yeah, which I don't think
0: exists very often. Um, well, this is so good. I think. Uh, I guess before we get into the Q and A, I would love to talk about uh, your thoughts on. I I don't know why I can't say words. Boudoir, but. but Boudoir. Boudoir. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is why this whole conversation started <laughs> because I got it. Um, my photos taken with my friend Emily here in Denver. And I was like, this is the, everyone needs to do yeah. this. This feels amazing. And you are a big proponent of that. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a perfect, like, I would love your perspective of it. And then that turns into like your biggest improve your sex life tips, mm-hmm. um, which I think that could be a one, maybe one of them. I don't know for sure, but.
1: It actually is. I love, I love, well, I, my experiences with boudoir or nude photography have been so amazing and positive. And so much of it is about being seen by the camera and the person behind the camera and then everyone who looks at me. And I would not have been comfortable doing that, you know, seven, eight years ago or, or 14 years ago in my marriage. There was way too much shame and too much shut down. And it. when I felt broken, I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want anyone to see me naked because I thought they would see the brokenness. Mm. And I don't recommend necessarily someone just going out of the blue blue and doing it, but it's a beautiful step towards showing yourself and showing to yourself, meaning proving to yourself, I'm not broken. I'm willing to be seen by others. And it's incredibly powerful and um, incredibly f- freeing yeah. to be able to stand there fully naked and, again, to be seen. Because so much of pleasure in sex and around sexuality is to be seen, mm. to be seen for who we are, to to express ourselves and to be seen there. Mm. And this is an, uh, this is one aspect of that. So I absolutely highly recommend doing some kind of boudoir or naked photography nude photography session uh-huh. especially c- combined with some of the inner work that goes with that yeah and what and if you were to
0: give maybe two more you know, and we'll definitely hit them and we've hit already a ton of them just in this conversation. But if somebody was like, yes, I want to improve my sex life, whether they're in a relationship or not, Mm -hmm. um, what would you even say if you like had a bullet point them?
1: So the first one is again, broken record is pleasure, your pleasure, focusing on your pleasure. And I mean that in the sexual way, in the bedroom when you're doing it. And I also very much mean that in all the ways outside of the bedroom. Asking this question, what pleases you every day? And focus on that. I call this the daily pleasure quota. Filling up your day with a minimum of things that keep you lit up, turned on, feeling beautiful, feeling sexy. It could be drinking your favorite cup of tea, it could be ste- stepping outside during the day and smelling the flowers. Mm-hmm. It could be having 15 minutes of connection with your partner where it's just touch without it trying to be sex. Mm-hmm. Focusing on what fills you up in terms of pleasure is going to help you focus on that in the bedroom and have you come from, full, from a full de- filled up full place And that's a big issue for women is that we live in a culture where we take a vow of poverty when it comes to pleasure. And we run ourselves ragged and we get to the bedroom at 10 PM and we blame ourselves for not being turned on and feeling sexy and wanting our partners. And the big thing is that we are so depleted on pleasure and For most women, we have a responsive sex drive, which means pleasure precedes a feeling of being sexual.
0: Mm.
1: And this is something that I cover a lot in the webinars that I do in in my writing, is that sexy things, pleasurable things have to proceed before we feel that desire to be sexual. I love, and it's the same thing that you said
0: earlier, like how do you trust you need relationships Mm -hmm. or how do you... Uh, feel grounded, pleasure, like this is a circle. And I really like that approach so much because it doesn't feel as like, oh, I got to do some inner work, you know, like
1: I got to work on myself again.
0: Yeah, Um, Yeah. That was a great answer.
1: Yeah. And the third piece I will say is your no is your most powerful power that's redundant. No, I (laughs) I got chills. (laughs) That was good. It's being able to say no is your biggest sexual power. And I don't mean being, saying no in terms of being prude or, you know, like um, uh, being shut down, but knowing what your no's are and eliminating those things. So you do not do anything that doesn't work for you. And what that means is that you open up a space and you open up the availab- your own energetic availability to the things that you are fully yes to, which means the things that you will enjoy, the things that will make sex worth wanting later on. And that's, that's saying no to people who don't honor you, situations that don't honor you, actions, words, all these different contexts. Contexts. And then, so you can say a big, you know, fuck yes to the things that you want. I love that. Um, You want to get
0: into some questions?
1: Absolutely. Uh, So I have
0: uh, most of them. I mean, these are all, I'll keep these all anonymous. I love them. I think I had probably five around the same kind of theme Mm -hmm. of, sex drive after kids, after at least five years of marriage. (laughs) Where do I go? Uh, That was kind of the just general, but I really do like this one because she got very specific. Um, Intimacy is virtually non-existent. I guess we both reject each other and have stopped putting out as much effort for fear of rejection. We're 29 and 32. We're focused on a holistic, healthful lifestyle. Most of our issues with sex stem from stress, schedules, grief, For being so young, it sucks that we have this. Neither of us are very forward when it comes to sex, and so surprises feel like a lot of pressure. I thought that was a really kind of probably captures most people that
1: absolutely put in
0: questions.
1: (laughs) Yes, this is very much um, spoken by you know, like most women and most men um, out there to some extent, and. In answering this question, I I will circle back to the piece about needing it to be safe, safe to be risky. And there's a vicious cycle that gets started when we don't know what works for us or something starts to change. So relationships will change. Relationships are living, breathing beings that are born, that grow up, that die, that get reborn, that uh, wax and wane. And we don't think about it that way. We think about that we, if we've committed to someone, we've committed to what we committed to in that moment. And people change, bodies change. And so a lot of this is Creating a situation where you can be transparent about the rejection and what's happening and th- that vicious cycle of not knowing what you want, pushing your partner away in that situation, them feeling rejected, them wanting to do less, you feeling hurt by that. All of that stuff, the key is to rebuild trust by by rebuilding transparency, by saying, what are some of those patterns that we've created and how we're stuck in them, and what's really going on. Mm. So that rejection is not usually about rejecting the partner. It's about your own discomfort with a situation that wasn't named when it happened. And the impact on the partner wasn't acknowledged. And so a lot of this is going back to that and saying, wow, when I got scared about what happened, I pulled away. And I think that, that me pulling away really hurt you wow, that must have been really hard for you. I get it. I'm sorry. I just didn't know what else to do at that moment. Mm. And to own it and to start to heal those little ruptures, which very much add up to a big Shift. shift and a big chasm between partners. So honesty in this case is really the answer. Having a lot of these honest conversations where we fess up to what happened and to start and start rebuilding that trust again. And if they feel um,
0: paralyzed, mm-hmm. that kind of like, Ugh, what it, do you just, I mean, what do you have any response to it? If there's that communication, maybe that paralyzation doesn't happen mm-hmm. or paralysis doesn't mm-hmm. happen. But do you feel uh, a word of advice for somebody that wants so badly to connect and they feel sexual and they feel, but they just can't, it's just, there's something, there's like this block there. Mm-hmm. What is, how do you
1: just, you just the, name it. You just name it. I You love just that. name it. I really want to talk to you about this. This is so important to me. And I'm so blocked. Like I, every time I think about talking to you, I lose my words. I don't know how to do this. And then to ask your partner, could we talk to someone or could, could we just sit in this discomfort of not knowing how to talk about this for a second? Could you hold my hand? When I, until I kind of unfreeze and figure out my words, I just need you to be here. So we jump to wanting to solve and fix the problem. But most of the time, what is needed is each partner just being with each other in the discomfort of this whole thing. Intimacy is uncomfortable. Even for, you know, I've been doing this for a while and I still freeze up and I still don't know what to say when it's in my own life, right? In my own situation. Because intimacy is vulnerable. It's, there's, there's anxiety around it. There's fear. There's this fundamental root shock or fears of, am I safe? Mm -hmm. And all we need to do is just name those and to be able to be with each other in that discomfort. And then the solutions will actually flow from that. That That's such a good answer. Oh, you're so good at this.
0: (laughs) Um okay this is I love this one so much. This is going to be uh strong capable this is my soon to be strong capable sexy badass self. Uh <laughs> I'm not really comfortable in my own skin. I know Emily, I'm sorry. I do not feel sexy. I rarely do. The thought of trying to be sexy is embarrassing. I know feeling sexy isn't limited to the bedroom, but I don't know how to express myself sexually anymore. I lost my mojo. What are some ways I can become more comfortable with gaining control and confidence to fire up the intimacy again?
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. That also, I hear this question in some format or, or another all the time. And a couple of things. One is there is no such thing as being sexy, as in there is like a way to be sexy. Mm. Our sexiness comes from being comfortable in our skin and connecting to the things that feel good to us. Coming back full circle to pleasure. Pleasure is the answer. So what I want to ask the the woman who asked this, I assume it's a woman, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, what do you do each day to please you? What do you do to connect to your pleasure? What do you do that leaves you feeling good, just generally? Doesn't have to be in your skin, but like feeling good. What do you do that feels good for your body? And my guess is that, This is this is a woman who's taken a vow of poverty when it comes to pleasure, Mm -hmm. that when we disconnect from pleasure, we don't feel good. We're not supposed to feel good when we're disconnected from pleasure. And that's a sign to us that we need to come back, come back to our bodies, to what pleased them. It could be a hug, a massage, your favorite cup of tea, and definitely something sexual too, the kind of touch that works for you. Not necessarily touch that's going to lead to sex or orgasm, but sexual touch. Maybe it's, um, you would feel really good in your body if someone just stroked you, Mm. stroked between your thighs, stroked around your skin to connect to yourself. And this is where that, that concept of pleasure precedes sexy feelings comes into play, is that when we are full of pleasure, we cannot not feel sexy. It's just the natural way the body expresses itself—the playfulness, the flirtatiousness—which is why it's so easy for
0: it to get away from you. With you know, you're like, "What happened?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it just it—if it doesn't exist, it just is, gets worse and worse and worse yeah. and further and further.
1: Not even with your partner, but like the gap between you and mm-hmm. self. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we we start to feel bad about ourselves and start to find. Fa- start to look for blame within ourselves. Well, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? And actually that inner dialogue is showing up because you're so depleted that you have given up on yourself and filling yourself up. But that voice naturally shows up to reconcile that because we as human beings, especially women, because we are wired differently in terms of the, the whole pleasure, sexual desire, Dynamic is we are meant to receive pleasure. We need it. It's an essential nutrient in our lives. So, when that's missing, our psyche goes into finding reasons to reconcile that re- dissonance within us. Mm. And so, we go into negative self talk and self blame because we got to find a reason for why we are not receiving an essential nutrient that we do. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that can be very easily reversed in focusing on pleasure, receiving pleasure, asking for it, asking for help to create a context or a situation within which you can have more pleasure. I love it. And I, I'm so bummed. I mean, you are, it's in September, but
0: you are, your course starts today, Yes, which you're, we're going to get you on time for. Um, so talk to me about the courses that you offer for women and also the in-person mm-hmm. that you, you do here in Denver.
1: Yeah. So the course is a small, intimate women's group program called Sex for Your Pleasure. And it's about creating a foundation of what that means and what's required. So we have different modules, one on arousal and understanding our anatomy of arousal. There's so much more that meets the eye in terms of what happens in our body and what gets to be aroused. We have as much arousal tissue in our bodies as men. However, most of it is hidden. We don't know about it. And I will say, I will make a claim just from my own clinical work that most women are having sex, penetration sex and oral sex, and about 20% of what's possible for their bodies in terms of arousal, which means they're having 20%, they're having penetration sex at 20% of what's possible in terms of pleasure. So I talk a lot about that's the 80%. anatomy. 80%, that's a lot. We're missing out on, right? <laughs> that's a, that's it's, a lot. <laughs> it's a hell of a lot, Yeah. <laughs> So we focus on that. We focus on our relationship to pleasure and desire. Yeah, We talk about the female pleasure cycles and how the female libido is different than a man's. This whole um, concept that I mentioned around responsive sexual desire versus spontaneous, which is what most men will experience. We talk about different erotic languages and how to know yours and how to ask for, for what your you know, from your primary language in a language that your partner will understand. Mm. Because we, we speak different languages. And so we often have situations where, let's say one person is speaking French eloquently and beautifully and intelligently. Another person is speaking Japanese equally eloquently and intelligently, but neither of them understand each other. And they think that there's something wrong with each other or or they're broken or, you know, that there's conflict around it where all it is is that we need to just learn each other's languages. And come into into the situation with the openness of like, oh, let me learn about this culture Mm. and see what that's like. We talk about masculine and feminine dynamics, which is an essential part of sexual attraction and keeping that heat throughout the relationship.
0: And and understanding probably that a lot of females have masculine energy mm
1: -hmm. and how to, you know, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so, so they end up as roommates with their, with their more masculine partners, um, or vice versa. Um, so that understanding that is really important mm. and it's also very important to sexual arousal and feeling like you are in your own, at home in yourself. And that, that also applies to, that, that applies to heterosexual couples and same sex couples as well, because you have that polarity within a same sex couple as well. Yeah. And um, lastly, we do a lot of uh, talk around relationships and how to talk to your partner and how to ask for what you want and deal through conflicts. Um, But the overarching piece of the program is really how to reclaim your sexual sovereignty. And and the, the topic that we started with, which is how can I own my own desires, my own body? How can I be the expert on me and what... Sex for my pleasure means, and what my body wants, and the whole program is structured to empower you to leave with that at the end. Oh man, and I know you do that. That's it's just, and it's the most amazing experience watching women each time with each session soften up feel more confident more assured like it's not confidence just external but like that rootedness that groundedness like i am who i am and i love myself and i deserve pleasure i deserve enjoyment and that that integrity shows up and i just I, it just melts my heart each time
0: I mean, your work is incredible. I think, I think it's so important what you're doing. And I just, I'm so glad that you got to talk to me about this. And I know that they're, they're going to love this. I know guys is, this is like way left field family, usually talking about bacon and barbells, but we mixed it up. I hope you enjoyed this. I asked all my uh, guests uh, what your spirit animal is. Do you have any idea if you have a spirit animal?
1: I do. You do. I, I love do. when people say that. Okay, what is it? <laughs> my spirit animal is a raven. Ah. Oh. Which is actually happens to be the the animal behind my um sign. Oh no way. Yeah. My astrological sign, which is, is a Libra. A Libra. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Ravens are incredible.
0: I only yeah. know one raven and you I mean they're wise and so sage and so mm-hmm. just That's a great sweet animal. We can leave it at that. I think that's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Um. And you're just give them the lowdown of your September course Mm -hmm. and where the newsletter where they can get Mm -hmm. tapped into everything that you do.
1: Great. Um. So the September course will be probably starting the second week of September. I'm still nailing on the date. It will most likely be on a Tuesday or Wednesday night. And um, you can find more information on my website, which is IreneFair, is a special page for the, the Sex for Your Pleasure group program. You can also sign up for my newsletter on the website. And you can email me at Irene at IreneFair.com. And I'm happy to answer any questions or um, get on a call with you and see how, can you su- how I can support you.
0: This is so great. Thank you so much, Irene. Everything will be linked below. Uh, please go follow and please go connect with her. Just being in your presence makes me feel more grounded. So I just thank am so you. glad we randomly met. Where were we? Was It It was Holidayly the second night.
1: Was yeah. it Six Minute Solutions? Six Minute Solutions, yeah. yeah. And entrepreneurship and su- Little hub, women yeah. supporting each other, which is awesome. So yeah. thank you for having me and supporting oh, this. And, and you're so courageous to have you know, initiated this conversation on your, on your podcast and yeah, your Yay. willingness to go
0: in it. I love it. Uh, it was, it's so funny. Cause the only thing I could think of is like, well, my mom listens to this. So, <laughs> so mom, if you're still listening, I love you. Okay. That's all. Um, I will see you guys next week.